O Lord, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now and hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we stop our series in Philippians and uh, take a break for a Christmas message in conjunction with our Christmas lunch. And I do hope that you'll remain afterwards and enjoy the fellowship as we share a meal together. And so this morning I wanted to focus on uh, what it means that the Lord Jesus is called Emmanuel. In verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1, that passage we just read, verse 23 it says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means, we have the translation there for us of this Hebrew word, Emmanuel, which means God with us. But what does it mean that God is with us, that the Lord Jesus is Emmanuel? One of the things that it means is that that first Christmas, God himself, God himself started living in a residence in this world, started living in a house in this world. What do we call the house of God? Well, where he lives, where he dwells, we understand that to be a temple. Of course, the pagans had their temples for their gods, where their gods would dwell, the statues. Uh, But the Lord himself dwelt in the temple in the Old Testament, this temple that Solomon built. Uh, He came with the cloud of his presence and dwelt there in that temple. But here we understand that the Lord Jesus is God incarnate, God taken on human flesh. And so his body, the Lord Jesus' body, is a temple for the Lord himself. Now, does Jesus ever refer to his body as a temple? Well, yes. In John chapter 2, verse 21, he says that it says that the temple he had spoken of was his body. He was speaking about a temple in John chapter 2. And the author of the, the gospel, John, he says that the temple that the Lord Jesus had spoken of in that context was his body. Now, why would God reside in a human body? Well, It's a far better temple, realistically, than any that man could build. And we see this again and again in the Old Testament, that God is too great to dwell in a house that man could build. Even Stephen, he preaches in Acts chapter 7, and he says in verse 48, The Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Can you really, can any of us consider what it would mean to build a house for the God who made all things? Who lives, dwells in heaven and the earth is his footstool. How could we then construct some sort of house in his footstool for him to dwell in? It's audacious. And we see again and again in the Old Testament that it is spoken of that that the God of all things, is too mighty to dwell in a house built by humans. So what did God do? Well, he made a better temple. He made a human body for the Son of God to dwell in as his residence. Hebrews 10 verse 5 says, When Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. A body you prepared for me. God prepared this body for the Son of God to come and dwell in in this world. But why would God take up residence in this world at all? And why would he take up residence in a human body? If that's the best temple for the Lord, is a human body, why would he do so? Well, there's many reasons why the Lord took on flesh and dwelt amongst us, why he became Emmanuel, God, with us. One of the reasons is so that 
Emmanuel's residence, his house, his temple, could experience a knockdown rebuild. That his house could be knocked down and rebuilt. And we see this in John chapter 2. I just quoted from John chapter 2. But look with me now there. In John chapter 2, verse 18. John chapter 2, verse 18, where he's interacting with some hostile Jews. Uh, He's just cleared the human-made temple. Uh, So the Lord Jesus has just been uh, clearing it of those who are selling uh, in the temple courts. And in verse 18, some Jews are pretty upset with him. And they say in verse 18 of John chapter 2, which is found on page 1051, if you have a church Bible, 1051. John chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this, to clear this temple? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The Lord Jesus knew that his temple, his human body, was to be destroyed. He knew that it was to be knocked down. But he knew also what? That it would be rebuilt. That it would be raised again. We see this in this text here. He says, destroy this temple in verse 19, and I will raise it again in three days. It's a pretty quick job at rebuilding a house. I don't think many knockdown rebuilds happen that quickly here in Sydney. But the Lord Jesus said, you can destroy this temple, but I will raise it again in three days. But couldn't the Lord's temple be destroyed again? No, when he rebuilt it, he built it to be indestructible. He rebuilt his residence to be indestructible. In Romans 6 verse 9 we read, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. God's temples have been destroyed again and again. Solomon's temple, it was destroyed. Herod's temple, it's been destroyed. The Lord Jesus, when he first came... That temple, it was destroyed at the cross. This temple that the Lord Jesus has rebuilt, it was knocked down, but it was rebuilt. And it was rebuilt never to be destroyed again. It is an indestructible temple. And where is that temple now? Well, it's been taken back to heaven. The Lord Jesus ascended and dwells in heaven in that indestructible residence. But does that mean that Jesus is no longer Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Now, if he is in heaven, doesn't that mean that he is no longer with us? He was with the human race when he was here on earth, but now he has gone to heaven in that indestructible temple, indestructible residence. So does that mean he is no longer with us? He is no longer Emmanuel. Well, the answer is that yes, he is still Emmanuel. He takes up new residences in this world. What are those residences? What are those houses he takes? Well, all those who trust in God are temples of the Lord Jesus. They're temples of God. He lives in us by the Holy Spirit. We read in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16, For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, live with us, Emmanuel, 
and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. And 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says something similar. Don't you know that you yourselves, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. (coughs) But what is Emmanuel going to do with all these residences in this world? All God's people, they are temples of the living God. What is he going to do with them? Aren't they frail? Why would he want to live within us? Well, he's going to do with us the same thing that happened with the temple that he took on that first Christmas so many years ago. What's that? Knock down, rebuild. Knock down, rebuild. Most of us are going to be destroyed with death. Christian after Christian down through the centuries has decayed in the grave. The temple that Jesus lives in, has been destroyed again and again and again. But one day, Emmanuel will rebuild all those temples. He will rebuild all those temples and they will be indestructible temples. They will have eternal life. We read in Romans 8 verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Your mortal bodies will receive eternal life. The dust will come back together and you will have an indestructible temple for the Lord Jesus to reside in for all of eternity. Now when will this happen? Well, it happens at the Emmanuel's second coming. We speak of his advent. First advent, of course, is when he came and took on flesh and dwelt as that baby in the manger, which we remember so fondly at Christmas time. But there's a second advent where he comes to judge the world. We read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there. We eagerly await the saviour from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Just as he has this indestructible body, his is the first fruits, his is the, he is the firstborn from among the dead. We too will be raised to life at his coming and have indestructible bodies. Some, of course, will be transformed at the return if they're still alive. And most of us will follow in the footsteps of our brethren who have gone before us. We will have mortal death And then we will decay in the grave. Our spirits will go to be with him. But we will wait until his return and then we will be raised with those indestructible bodies. Now, is this not a costly exercise for the Lord Jesus to undertake? To take on all these residences in this world, these temples which we understand are our bodies, he lives within us. Is this not a costly exercise? Yes, far more than we realise far more than we realise. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. There was a price that had to be paid in order for God to take up residence in ourselves. Renovations are costly. 
Renovating any home is going to cost you. Apparently it's going to cost you more this year than it would uh, next year than it would this year. Building costs are going up. And to do a knockdown rebuild is very expensive. You've got to pay someone to knock it down. You've got to pay someone to rebuild it. Went on the internet and asked Google, a faithful friend who does no evil apparently. Uh, he, he, is, he tells me that you're looking at at least half a million dollars if you are going to do a knockdown rebuild. Half a million dollars to do a knockdown rebuild. So how much did the knockdown rebuild that the Lord Jesus is taking on with all these residences cost him? How much does it cost the Lord Jesus to renovate us? Well, it cost him the destruction of his body. The destruction of his body. Why? Well, he can't give sinful humans indestructible bodies. Why? Because the wages of sin is death and eternal punishment. He can't give sinful humans indestructible bodies. The tree of life was snatched out of the garden as soon as the tree of knowledge of good and evil was taken from by Adam and Eve. God has decreed that sinful humans must receive death and eternal destruction in hell. And he can't violate his own decrees unless he pays for the sinful humans, unless he makes those sinful humans holy. Those people who are unholy become holy by his body and blood. And so he can actually dwell with unholy people in this life, but also in the next life because they are made holy because he paid the price for them. The crucifixion of the Son of God as he lived in his human body on this earth is the only way by which God can renovate, can take on residences in sinful humans. Only Christ's sinless body was able to endure the fires of hell that we deserve and be raised himself after having sin put upon him, which is what happened at the cross. Our sin was put over to him. But because he was sinless and the Son of God, he was able to be raised to life. And then he is also able to endure the hell that we deserve and raise us and give us eternal life. But you may be asking this morning, how do we really know that Jesus will raise us to life? I mean, it's been 2,000 years since he was raised from the dead as the first fruits. How do we know that Jesus really will raise us to life? How do we overcome the doubts that we have? That the Emmanuel will rebuild us after we're knocked down. I mean, we recognise that many, many, many people of God have been knocked down. But they haven't been rebuilt. How do we know that it will happen? Well, firstly, we should see a knockdown rebuild happening of our souls even now. Not of our bodies, they continue to decay, but our souls should be showing a renovating work of God even now. 1 John 3 verse 24 says, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. How do you know that God himself lives in you? It says in 1 John 3 24, we know it by the spirit he gave us. 
by the Spirit he gave us. The Spirit testifies in us that Jesus lives within me. And the Spirit testifies by showing it with his fruit in our lives. Christ is cleansing and renovating his temples in this world even now. The Lord Jesus purchased our bodies to be places that he would dwell and where he gets to choose what happens in those homes. If you go into someone's home and you live there, you've got to abide by the house rules, don't you? Otherwise, you're going to get kicked out of that house pretty quickly. If Jesus is the owner of us, then we should see us living by his rules. The Apostle Paul used that again and again. We've quoted quite a few texts where he says that we are temples of God. Why does the Apostle Paul quote that to the church in Corinth? Because he wants them to live holy lives. He continues to remind them to honour God with your body, which is a temple of God. It is not yours. You were bought at a price. You're meant to live by his rules. You don't bring an idol into the temple of God. That's what the Israelites got in big trouble for in the Old Testament. They continue to use the temple of God for the worship of false gods. And so they showed that they were not the people of God at all. If we are temples of God, then God should be honoured within those temples. And so if you want to know, are you a child of God? Are you a temple for the Lord, then you should look for renovations happening within your life, that you're living according to his ways, that you obey his commands because he is dwelling within you. And if you don't see Emmanuel, God with us, renovating you, what does that mean? Well, it means he doesn't live in you. He doesn't live in you. And what does that mean? Well, your body and soul will be knocked down one day and destroyed for eternity in hell. Never to be rebuilt. Never to be rebuilt. The only residences that are rebuilt on Judgment Day are the Lord's ones. The Lord's temples are the ones that will be rebuilt on Judgment Day, never to die again. And so what should you do? If you do not see the renovating work of Emmanuel in you now, what should you do? Beg Emmanuel to come and live in you now. Beg him to come and dwell with you, to save you from the fire that is to come to destroy all temples except those that belong to him. All houses that do not belong to God will be burned with fire. There's going to be a great house fire on Judgment Day. The world is going to catch fire. And only those that belong to him will be saved. Beg Emmanuel to come and live in you now. That you give your body and soul to him as a temple for him. Beg him to renovate you now by his spirit. And to take you one day to be with him in heaven in an indestructible body. That's one way we can know that. We are temples of the living God. What's another way that we can overcome our doubts that Jesus will rebuild us one day? As I said, it's been 2,000 years. Doubts creep in. We think, is he ever going to rebuild us? What's another way that we can overcome the doubt? 
Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Will Emmanuel, will he really abandon all the residences in which he has invested so much? Will he really abandon all the temples that he has come to dwell in and then are knocked down? Will he abandon them by not rebuilding them? When he's invested so much, if you spent half a million dollars on a knockdown rebuild, wouldn't you make sure that you claimed that residence after you had spent that money? And if you'd done it for a thousand residences, wouldn't you make sure that you claimed all those residences that you spent half a million dollars on? Of course you would. You wouldn't abandon them. You've invested too much to walk away from all those knockdown rebuilds. So why would Jesus walk away when he's invested so much in all his knockdown rebuilds? Why will he not claim them all, every single one of them? You say, well, what did he spend? How much has he invested? He invested his body and blood. He invested himself. He's got too much skin, too much flesh in the game to walk away. It may have been 2,000 years, but he's certainly going to claim his residences one day. He's not going to walk away. He's invested too much. His death was of infinite value. He's not walking away from us. He loves each of his people with a tenderness and a care. He lives in you now by the Spirit, and one day he's going to claim you face to face. He's going to raise you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's going to look you in the eye. You will see him face to face. He's invested too much to walk away. So let us rejoice in him. Let us rejoice in the advent of Emmanuel. Which advent? Which coming of Emmanuel? Well, let us rejoice in Christ's Christmas advent, taking up residence in a human body as God with us, to buy us so that we could be his. We should rejoice in the advent that we know in Christ Jesus at that first Christmas. How can we rejoice in it? Well, we can rejoice in it by singing the carols that we have given to us by holy men of the church. And we've got one for us in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which we will sing shortly. Open up your bulletins to uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, verse 2 there. Can't we sing this with joy as we consider the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel coming and dwelling with us? Hark the herald angels sing, verse 2. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald Angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. 
Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. In response to Emmanuel, shouldn't we sing with joy of the incarnation, of that incarnation of God himself, with songs like this? But we should also rejoice in another advent. And I said before that the second advent, of course, is when the Lord Jesus comes, but hasn't he already come? I've spoken of it today. We might call it 1.1 Advent. 1.0 would be his incarnation. 2.0 is his second coming. But maybe we've got a 1.1. What is that? Him coming to us now. Coming to us now. He has come, Advent, come to us now and dwells in us by the Spirit. We do not see him face to face, but he dwells in us by his Spirit. He is renovating us even now if we are believers in Jesus Christ. And so we should sing hymns like little, O Little Town of Bethlehem, the third verse there in your, in your uh, bulletins. Look with me now, the third verse, O Little Town of Bethlehem, that second song, uh, third song that we will sing today. Third verse, third verse, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin, renovate us, and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. We can sing with joy of the incarnation. We can also sing of the advent of the Lord Jesus into our hearts. And of course, we should rejoice in the second coming, the advent 2.0 that is yet to come when he will come and take us home to heaven in indestructible temples that we will have for all of eternity. And so we can sing like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, verse 4. Verse 4 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing there in your bulletin. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above. Reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let us give glory to God with our lives. For his power, for his love, for his goodness displayed in Emmanuel. God with us. Let's give glory to God that he dwelt within a human body, but that he knocked down that human body to raise it up again as an indestructible temple for the Son of God for all eternity. Let's also give him glory that he comes and dwells within us now as temples. What a privilege that we have Emmanuel, God with us. He lives in us. And let us give glory to him that one day he will knock us down, but he also will raise us with indestructible temples for him for the rest of eternity. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's speak to him now.
Emmanuel, we praise you that in your goodness and love and power you dwelt in a human body in order to be knocked down, but also to be rebuilt with a glorious resurrection body. Oh Lord, we confess that we do not deserve such an eternal residence, but we thank you that you died in order that you would live in us as our Emmanuel and one day give us an indestructible body that one day you will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like your glorious body. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, come, come Emmanuel and take us home to you now. We pray this in your name. Amen.